Morning. Nope, 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 nope. That was, that was really weak. Good morning. That was a little better. My name's Tyler, and uh, this morning we're going to have a little chat about Thanksgiving. And uh, not the holiday, but um, just the concept and the idea of what Thanksgiving is. Get into a little bit, uh, hopefully very practically, um, about the good of Thanksgiving and how we can uh, remember and be reminded of what it means to be thankful. And so um, you should have a little card on your seat with an elephant on it, and we'll explain what that is in just a little while. But, um, man, hopefully you guys had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but this morning we're going to talk about a few things, hopefully have a little bit of fun. We're going to talk about... Um, one of my favorite topics, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Have any Steeler fans in the house today? I got one. I got one right there. Wearing a man, wearing a jersey, holding a mug right over here. She gets the brownie points for the morning. Collect your prize from the info center after the service. Um, so we'll talk about the Steelers for a little bit. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, minus Clint Eastwood. And we'll talk about um, what this elephant means uh, that's sitting on your seat. But if you would, just bow your heads with me for a moment as we pray. God, thank you for this morning. and thank you for the privilege it is to be here. Um, and what an amazing opportunity we have to um, have a place to come and have the freedom to worship and sing and, and declare your glory and your honor and your praise um, and to give back all of our thanksgiving to you. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us from your word this morning. Um, help us to leave here with a greater understanding of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So this morning, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're going to start with the bad, we're going to move to the ugly, and then we're going to talk about some practical good things at the end of the service and hopefully spend most of our time on the good stuff. But um, first off, if you would, um, if you would turn in your smartphones and your iPads to Romans chapter 1. If you don't have a smartphone, our ushers will be wandering by to hand. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you have your Bible this morning, turn into Romans chapter 1. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But first, uh, while you're turning there, I want to tell a quick story um, about thankfulness. See, there were two friends that uh, get together and meet on a regular basis, but they don't live close. So they live kind of far away, so they have to catch up on a lot of things a lot of times. And, uh, and this time, they happen to uh, be catching up. And one of them is, is pretty distraught. He's pretty upset, um, sad, um, not really enjoying things right now. And so the one friend says to him, well, man, why, why are you so upset? You seem really mad and, and, and upset. And the, the one friend says, well, you see, three weeks ago, um, I lost my uncle, and he left me $40,000. And he's pretty upset about this. I mean, not just sad, but pretty angry as well. So the friend says, well, man, that's, that's tough. I'm sorry to hear that. And he says, no, but wait, it gets better. Like two weeks ago, I actually lost my cousin. I didn't know him, but he, he left me $85,000, just handed it right off to me. And his friend says, well, man, I, I'm not really sure what's going on. You seem really, I mean, you seem upset about that, which is normal, I guess, when you're trying to be sad about something. But, but they left you a lot of money. Seems like you... You know, they, they, they had a lot of good things to say about you or at least thought highly enough of you to, to give you this money. And he said, no, 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 listen, you don't understand. No, just last week, uh, my great aunt died and she gave me a quarter of a million dollars. And he's really, really mad at this point and distraught and he's in tears. And the friend says, man, listen, I don't get it. Like, you're, I understand you're sad, 
but they left you a lot of money. That's, that's kind of a positive thing, right? And he's like, no, listen, listen. Three weeks ago, it was 40000 Two weeks ago, it was 85000 And last week, it was a quarter of a million. And this week, nothing. It's kind of a funny, cheesy example of kind of what can happen in the negative side of, of Thanksgiving when we don't give thanks to where we need to give thanks to. And um, I think it's easy to forget what it is that we need to be thankful for. And um, so this morning, the topic is obviously Thanksgiving. We want to kind of understand what Thanksgiving is. Um, in the book, The Practice of Godliness, Jerry Bridges says that the foundation of an attitude of thankfulness is a life lived in fellowship with Christ. And he goes on to say that Thanksgiving is a normal result of a vital union with Christ and a direct measure of the extent to which we are experiencing the reality of that union in our lives. And ultimately, our situation is never so desperate that it is not fitting to give thanks to our God. And I love that, that phrase that it's a normal result of our union with Christ. It's, it's the expected response in our union with Christ that we would be thankful. And it's also the measurement to which we're experiencing that union with him. So if we're following Christ, if we have a relationship with Jesus, then why does it get so backwards sometimes? Where is it that we go wrong with thanksgiving? And I think this passage in Romans 1 will help us understand a little bit of what happens when we fail to give credit where credit is due. And so we'll spend a little bit of time here talking about where things get bad, where they get ugly, and then hopefully jump right into the good side of things here. But Romans chapter 1, you should be there by now. If not, please turn there. Uh, These will be up on the screen as well. And in starting in verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, And their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. So let me, let me just clarify a little bit. So God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. And these people, they knew God and yet failed to give him thanks, failed to honor him as God. And so Paul says that their thinking became futile. And this is where it gets bad, right? Because when we lose the battle for our minds, we start to lose the battle for thanksgiving. Our, our memory starts in our mind. And so as we start to lose this battle and be like these people that Paul is talking about, neither giving him thanks nor glorifying him, our thinking ourselves, it becomes futile. And so the battle for the mind is where thankfulness starts. But it gets worse, right? Not only did they fail to give him thanks and fail to honor him, and their thinking became futile, but their their foolish hearts were darkened, leading them to exchange the truth of God for a lie. And eventually they became worshiping 
and serving created things rather than their creator. See, they didn't acknowledge God, so their thinking became futile. Their hearts were darkened, and they served created things rather than the creator. And I think this is the point at which we see the opposite of thanksgiving. I think we tend to think the opposite of thanksgiving is thanklessness and ungratefulness. But I think the reality of this is that the opposite of thanksgiving is actually pride and idolatry. And I think we'll see some other examples of that as we talk this morning about how pride and idolatry can ruin the battle for our mind, can ruin our ability to be thankful and grateful for what God has done in our lives. A perfect example of this happened in Daniel chapter 4 by, with a man named King Nebuchadnezzar. And as King Nebuchadnezzar was wandering around his palace and, and his kingdom, he declared, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. You can see the pride and idolatry in his statement there. And for saying this and failing to acknowledge God and give credit where it was due, he was driven insane for seven years in the wilderness. So we'll be able to see how his story ends when we get to the good side of things. But I think we have to understand how easy it is for us to fall into these kinds of ways of thinking. I think it's easier than we think to fall into this trap and to start looking around and failing to acknowledge God and give him the praise and honor to his name. The Bible has other examples of this as well. In Luke chapter 17, there are 10 lepers that are healed by Jesus. And in their excitement over being healed, they all run away. And one of them stops and turns around and comes back to Jesus and says, thank you. And ultimately, Jesus recognizes the lack of gratefulness in the other nine when he says, wait a minute, I'm a little bit confused here. There were 10 of you, and yet only one of you has come back to say thank you. I think it grieves the heart of the Lord when we fail to recognize the things that he's done, the sacrifices that he's made, and the way he's provided for us. And yet thankfulness is such an antidote for so many different things in our lives, right? It's the prescription for anxiety that Paul mentioned in in Philippians chapter 4. It's the antidote for selfishness and discontentment, for pride and idolatry. And so in light of all of these things, the way things get bad, how they get ugly, we want to talk this morning very specifically and very briefly this morning about how do we fight this? What are the practical steps that we can take to be more thankful and to show more gratitude in our lives for what the Lord has done? So this is the good. Being thankful is not just a state of being, but it's a command and an active one. And it's one that should move us from remembering what the Lord has done to feeling the weight of our response, to the weight of who he is, and then allowing us, allowing it to move us to action with our hands and our voices. And so this is where we're going to talk about our elephant. So all of you should have a little card on your seat with an elephant on it with some fill-in-the-blanks. So you get to participate in this a little bit here. So I don't know if you guys know this or realize this, but it's widely considered a, a... a thing, a widely held belief that elephants have good memories. And so this morning, we want to be like elephants, and we want to have good memories. And so this is our first fill-in. To be thankful, we have to remember. To be thankful, we have to remember. 
This is about our experiences. It involves our mind. Remember in Romans 1, their thinking became futile. They lost the battle for their mind. So for us to win the battle for our minds, we have to remember the things that the Lord has done for us. So we have to be like this elephant, and we have to remember. We have to have good memories. To recall all of the things, all the way back to even just our, our salvation in and of itself being enough for us to spend the rest of our lives being grateful for who he is and what he's done. So in Romans 1, they they didn't thank God. Their thinking became futile, and they lost the battle for their mind. So I don't know about you, but I I tend to have a short memory. So there are times when I just happen to forget what God has done for me, whether things are going badly in my life, and I fail to acknowledge that he's done good things, or whether things are going really well in my life and I just forget about them altogether and think like Nebuchadnezzar, look at, look at all these great things that I've, I've done, all these things that I'm doing. And I think sometimes we forget whether it's bad things in our lives or really, really good things, that he's still there and we still need him. And we become self-sufficient and forget that we need him. And see, Moses recognized this as well. Moses was a pretty smart guy. And he warns the Israelites over and over and over again throughout Deuteronomy, particularly in chapter 8, to not forget the Lord. So he says in chapter 8 in Deuteronomy, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And then he goes on to tell them about the promised land that Moses is about to lead them into. Tells them all of the great things that they're about to experience, all these wonderful, amazing things that he's going to provide for them. And he says this in chapter 8, verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Verse 17 goes on to say, you, say, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. You see, Moses understood that whether it was 40 years wandering around in the desert where things don't seem to be going right, or whether it was after they get into the promised land where everything seems to be going right, there was a propensity for them to forget, to forget what he had done, to forget how good he was and still is. Moses knows us today even, I think, a little bit better than we give him credit for. So we have to remember For us to be thankful requires us to recall all of the good things that God has done for us. And the second thing that we have to 
to realize here about our elephant is that, and again, this I don't know if this is going to be obvious or not, but elephants are kind of big animals, right? They're pretty large, right? Pretty heavy. And so the, the heaviness of our elephant is going to help us to remember that we need to feel the weight. As we remember in our minds the good things that God has done for us, let us feel in our hearts the weight of what he's done for us. Romans in chapter 1 said, in addition to their thinking becoming futile, Paul said that their foolish hearts were darkened. Since we widely consider our hearts kind of the metaphorical seat of our emotions, how can we feel the weight if our hearts have been darkened? We have to remember, we have to feel the weight of what he's done for us. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Psalm 106.2 says, Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? You see, we serve a God who is so much bigger than we could ever dream up. And so for us to have the ability to recognize who he is and what he is truly capable of, for us to feel the weight of that and to remember that he not only gave us salvation, but continues to give us good things over and over and over again. Everything comes from him. The psalmist is asking rhetorically, who can proclaim these mighty acts? Who can fully declare his praise? He already knows the answer. Nobody can fully do that. That's how big our God is. So we need to feel the weight of that. So we remember with our minds what he's done for us. We feel the weight of it and feel the weight of what we should be responding with. And thirdly, to be thankful, we have to trumpet our praise and thanksgiving. This is about our expression, and it involves our hands, and it involves our, our voice. And this is where the good gets even better, because this is where we even get to, to participate in things. It's the expression of this thanksgiving that actually completes our feeling of thanksgiving. It has to be action-oriented. It requires something of us by way of expressing our gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord. C.S. Lewis says this in his Reflections on the Psalms. I think we delight in what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch or to hear a good joke and to find no one to share it with. There's a problem when we don't or can't express our gratitude and thanksgiving. It's, and Lewis is saying here that it, it's the expression that, that fulfills it, that completes it. Now, sometimes we can't help but express these things, right? Like if you're rooting for your favorite sports team, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers today, like me and our, my friend over here. 
But if I told you that I was a Steelers fan, but everywhere you saw me, I was wearing an Oakland Raiders jersey, you probably wouldn't believe me, right? Or at least it would cause some confusion in you. Wait a minute, I thought you said you were a Steelers fan. Why are you wearing an Oakland Raiders jersey? Or if every time you encountered me, I was watching a Philadelphia Eagles game while I was wearing my Oakland Raiders jersey. I mean, that doesn't line up, right? But I think as Christians, sometimes the things that are in our lives don't always line up with what we say we're following. If I'm following the Steelers, then I would be moving in the direction or, or participating in activities and utilizing accessories that point people to show that that's what I am. So as Christians, are we engaged in things that are pointing other people to who we say we're following? If we follow Jesus, the expectation then is that the things in our lives would reflect that. So I don't want you to just take my word for it. Um, I want to give you an example this morning of what this might look like. You see, in 2008, my Pittsburgh Steelers were playing the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl. Now, 2008 was a great year for Pittsburgh because the, the Penguins also won the Stanley Cup. And that's hockey for all of you guys that aren't from Canada. Um, but I was in Florida, watching this game with my in-laws, and uh, who, by the way, were, they're not Arizona Cardinal fans, but they were rooting for the Cardinals just because I was rooting for the Steelers. It's, they're fun like that. But, but I may have gotten a little bit animated during the game, right? Like, I, leading up to one of their Super Bowl wins, I may have said some nasty things about Jerome Bettis, you know, being a failure in his career because he fumbled at the goal line against the Annapolis Colts. But in this game... This game was a good one. And but unbeknownst to me, my lovely wife decided to take a video of what was happening in my life at this time. And so, again, I don't want you to take my word for it. I, I just want to show you kind of what that might have looked like. So... I may have been a little bit excited there. I don't know. Now, but that's what the expression of joy in Thanksgiving should be, right? I mean, that's what it should look like. And if we can get that excited over a football game, what should it look like when we come in here on a Sunday morning? 
and celebrate the creator of the universe who has given his life for us so that we could spend eternity with him. That's what it should look like. But I think too often our expression of praise and thanks to God doesn't really reflect the reality of what he's done for us. The idea here is that if we are excited about something, if we were truly thankful for something, then to hold it in would betray, be to betray everything about us and we'd be bursting at the seams to let it out. It's an experience, it's an expectation, and it can't help but be expressed. It's going back to our, our friend King Nebuchadnezzar. After he was driven insane because of his lack of thanksgiving and acknowledgement of the Lord, Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 goes on to say, At the end of that time, his time of insanity, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the king and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. All those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. You see, he finally realized and acknowledged the Lord and gave credit where credit was due and humbled himself. Again, pride and idolatry are the opposite of thanksgiving. I noticed that it was an expression. He lifted his eyes to heaven. He glorified the Lord. He gave thanks and gave honor to him. And the Psalms are full of times that we're told to express our praise and our thanksgiving. Psalm 9 says, I will give thanks to, to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 92 says, It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Psalm 100, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 105, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 116, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. In First Chronicles 16, the group of people called the Levites were charged simply with just standing and giving thanks to God. That was their job. And King David himself expressed unbelievable joy and thanksgiving when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was kind of the representation of the presence of God, and as it's coming back into the city, he just loses his mind, dancing all around. In fact, his, his wife scolded him for being undignified. But I think that there should be a level of that for us to become more and more undignified when we just realize what we have in Jesus. And all of these examples are expressions of thanksgiving, whether in word or deed. They all resulted in the expression, verbally or physically, where they were trumpeting the resounding expression of praise and thanksgiving. They, we remember, we feel the weight of it, and we can't help but express it. 
So that's what we want to continue to do this morning. So the band is going to come back up and we're going to take some more time to sing. And then we're going to have an amazing opportunity, one of the most amazing ways that we can remember the Lord and give him thanks by taking communion. And so as the band comes and begins to play and sing, I'll invite you to stand and move to the tables that are here in the front and in the back. But, but I'll leave you with this passage. It's Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. God, there is nothing that we can do to adequately give you thanks for what you've done. So Lord, I pray that this morning we would just have an opportunity to empty ourselves of everything. To pour ourselves out in praise and thanksgiving to you. You've poured out your love and your grace and your mercy on us so undeserved. I pray that we would remember in vivid detail how much you have done for us. We would feel the weight of your glory and your presence and who you are and all that you've done. And let us blow the roof off of this place as we shout your praise. Give back to you, Lord, the best that you've given to us. Thank you for your love, for our salvation. I pray that you'd be honored and glorified as we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.